I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Josephus Bartua from Boston, Massachusetts. Josephus and his wife, Katrina, lead one of the fastest-growing campus ministries in the country. Over the past two years, their campus ministry has grown from eight to 40-plus disciples. Listen as he talks about how he did it and what inspires him. This episode is the first to spotlight disciples 30 and under who are multiplying disciples, leaders, and churches. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. The CLIMB Conference is just around the corner. It's November 30th through December 3rd in Dallas, Texas. It's so easy to get there. It's a straight shot from most places in the country. Get a ticket. You need to be there. It's going to be so inspiring, so equipping. You need to go. I know some of you are just kind of like wavering, like, I want to go, but it's not quite in our budget. Listen, find the money. Beg for the money. Ask for the money. Just figure out a way to get there. You will thank yourself that you did. All you need to do is go to robskinner.com and register today. Now's the time to go. We're going to have some some of the most inspiring speakers. It's going to have some of the most helpful classes. We're going to have roundtables during the lunch times where you can get more specific instruction from particular people who have specialized skills. It's going to be a great time. So please, today, go to robskinner.com, register for the CLIMB Conference November 30th through December 3rd in Dallas, Texas. See you there. Josephus, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rob. Grateful to be here. Man, it's great to have you on the program. I had such a nice uh, response from Matt Rupert, and he emailed me after I had asked for people who are really growing under the age of 30 or around the age of 30. He emailed me just the nicest introduction letter and said, hey, you need to talk to Josephus Bartua. And I, I was really so grateful that he did that. And I interviewed Matt earlier in my podcast, and it's it's great to be able to meet you. Uh, apparently, we, we met briefly at the Vision Conference last summer. Yeah, we met briefly, and I'm a huge fan of the podcast. And so I came up to you and Pam, and I said hi. And Katrina and I, we, we said hi to you guys. But Matt is just one of my dearest friends, and he's such a generational leader. And he motivates me. He keeps me going. He's such an encourager to me. And so I'm glad that he recommended me, and I'm just grateful to be here. I'm going to go ahead and read his introduction letter because I thought it was so encouraging. He said, Campus Ministers in the Downtown Boston Campus Ministry, fastest growing campus ministry in our movement. We'll be, an appoint, we'll be appointed an evangelist this Sunday. I think that was last Sunday. He's a firecracker, faith-building, world-changing man of God. Talk about a kingdom builder. Within Boston, their specific campus, campus has grown the most of all the Boston campus ministries. Josephus has a growing group of young men lining up for ministry. His passion is contagious. They have two children, one born within the last six months. 
That's a lot of hype right there to live up to there, Josephus. I hope you don't yeah, feel any pressure. I pay him to say that, Rob. It's <laughs> a pretty nice introduction. I hope it's not like the um, you know the Madden 2023. They put you on the cover. You, you know, but hey, it's this is really really exciting. How did you become a Christian? Yeah, so I was born in Liberia, West Africa. And spiritually speaking, Liberia is sort of like Alabama. Everyone goes to church on Sundays, um, but discipleship is now high on the menu. And <laughs> and I moved to Boston when I was 13 years old and still grew up going to church in middle school, high school. But by the time I was a junior, senior in high school, I was drifting away from God. And I had a lot of questions about the Bible. I had a lot of doubts, honestly. And I wasn't reading scripture, and I stopped going to church. And then by my freshman year of college, my perspective was, you know, for the first 18 years of my life, I was coddled by my parents and protected. I didn't go to any parties. I didn't do any crazy stuff. So I was going to college with a whole list of sins, ready to dive into the world. And I did that my freshman year. And I studied the Bible with disciples, actually, my first semester of my freshman year, because one of my friends, his name is Kenny Cottrell, uh, he was uh, baptized a couple of years before that, and he studied the Bible with me, but I wasn't really interested. And then my spring semester of my freshman year, I was in the same class with this girl, her name is Katrina, she's now my wife, her parents are from Liberia, and we started this great friendship, and um and we became really good friends really quickly and she was studying the bible she's a kingdom kid her parents were converted back in the 80s her dad was converted by sam lang and as she was studying the bible with sam lang's daughter alexandra goman um as she was studying the bible with alexandra and the other women in her life she and i became friends and I was probably the guy that were saying to her, oh, you got to stay away from that guy. I was the guy on campus, <laughs> you know, uh, that wasn't helping her all the way, spiritually speaking. But then she kept inviting me to church and I said no. And then my birthday was coming up. I was turning 19 years old and I wanted to take her on a date. And I asked her to go on this date and she just got baptized two days before that. So she was a two-day-old Christian. So she got advice from her disciples going, this guy's interested in me. I think this is a date. I think he wants to go on a date with me. Is that okay? And her discipler said, oh, totally. You can totally go on the date. Uh, that was probably not the wisest advice, but it worked out. God blessed us somehow. And we went on the date. We went to see a Red Sox game at Fenway. And I just remember thinking, I need to marry this girl. I, I love this girl. <laughs> like, on the first day, I was like, if I get the privilege of marrying this girl, my life would turn out okay. I would be a happy man. But she was, she was like, oh, no, I can't date you. You're not a Christian. And I didn't all the way get that. I was like, what are you talking I grew up going to church. I am a Christian. But I wasn't a Christian. And she kept inviting me. And, I, and then I came out. And one of my first events I came out to was a Thanksgiving event where you we kind of huddled together and in a circle. And we encouraged one another and share about what encouraged one another. Um, and that was the a campus ministry event. And I came out and I was so blown away by the love of the disciples, the encouragement, the, the diversity, the faith of the disciples. Mm. I was like, what is going on in mm. here? You know, 
And she introduced me to the campus minister, Steve Schnell. But by that time, it was six months later, by that time, my faith was growing. I, I ordered a Bible from Amazon. I was reading the Bible for myself. I was watching all these Francis Chan videos on YouTube. And I was like, wow. So I was a Christian. In my mind, I thought I was a Christian that had fallen away. And so I wanted to come back and to be a Christian. So I was going around my neighborhood, sharing my faith, inviting people to church and sharing about Jesus. But I didn't really know how to share about Jesus because I wasn't really a disciple. But Steve got with me in my first Bible study with Steve. I was teaching him about how to build the campus ministry because I thought he wasn't effective. I, I thought, oh, there's some things I can teach you. And he was just sitting there looking at me like, you know, who is this knucklehead? And he was super patient with me and super loving. And But by the time my first Bible study was over, I was like, oh, wait, he knows the Bible way more than I do. I need to listen to this guy. I need, mm. to, I need to learn from him. And a month and a half later, I was getting baptized. And he transformed my entire life through the word of God. And he he's played a major influence in my life. And so that's kind of how I got baptized, May 29th. 2013 best day of my life right there wow that's great okay then so you this was after you had gone on the date with katrina how did you guys end up together getting married yeah so we went on the date and she she was like we can maybe date but maybe undercover and maybe not kind of date kind of pseudo dating and after Steve and I started studying the Bible. Steve was going, well, whatever you guys have here that is not dating, but kind of dating, that needs to be broken up. And and you need to focus on your relationship with God before you can start dating. And I was like, oh, that makes total sense. I need to be a disciple. I need to follow God. And, and so we did that. We, we broke up for some time. And then we officially started dating six months later. And, and then we got married in 2017, April 22nd, 2017. And now... We have two boys. Uh, one is three and a half. His name is Julius. And the other one is two months old. His name is Elliot. So, yeah. Wow. Plans for more kids? Yeah. Yeah. When you're working with Stuart Means, who have four, you're competing. <laughs> you know, so I, I, uh, we probably have maybe one more to go. Um, we've talked about one more. But right now, we're just trying to find sleep. Right. That's the that's a challenge right there. When you have two kids and you have a two months old, uh, you're just trying to find sleep. But once we get through this phase, we'll probably think about one more. <laughs> OK, so why did you choose the ministry? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I wanted to go into the ministry before I was a Christian, um, which is interesting. When I started to read the Bible for myself and listen to sermons on YouTube and just reading about Jesus. I was so inspired by Jesus. I knew, Oh, this is what I want to do. I want to share this gospel with people. And so I was, I would go around my neighborhood inviting people to church and sharing my faith, but I didn't know how to do it well because I, I myself wasn't a Christian. And so when I got baptized, it was just so natural for me. I just wanted to study the Bible with people. That was my passion. I remember my first Bible talk being with Collier Winters and Murphy at Harvard in the summer of 2020, uh, summer of 2013. 
That was the summer I got baptized. I was a one-month-old Christian. I remember seeing Collier lead a Bible talk, and I just thought, oh, that's what I want to do. I remember seeing Jesse Goldman, my campus minister, preach the word and thinking, that's what I want to do. I want to preach God's word. And, and so and I also have a strong desire to preach. I think if you're going to go into the ministry, especially as a man, you do need to have a strong desire to preach. I love preaching God's word, and I love studying the Bible with people. And so for me, it was a no brainer. Um, before I was a Christian, I probably would have told you I wanted to work in the foreign service uh, for the state department. But when I became a disciple, I knew that God had called me. I felt a calling in my life. It was confirmed by other people, other mentors, people like Kevin Miller and my campus ministers who saw talent in me, but I also had a strong desire in me to preach God's word. And so that, that's why I decided to go into the ministry. Um, it was so clear that it was God's calling for my life that if I didn't go into the ministry, it would have been an act of disobedience. Mm. Now, you just got appointed as an evangelist last Sunday. Yep. Can you describe that experience? Yeah, the feeling I have is described in one word, and that's gratitude. Uh, they say it takes a village. And I have a huge village around me. The elders of the, the Boston church have really invested in the campus ministry, the, the board, the region leaders. We, there's this synergy, there's this unity in Boston to invest in the campus ministry. And because Boston is so unique, we have 150,000 college students that pour in every semester. And, and so... I felt really just grateful by the the leadership and the mentorship by the elders. One of my elders, Daryl Owens, who is just an amazing man of God. He did our premarital counseling. He has mentored my marriage. He's uh, he did my wedding, and and Kevin Miller. I get with Kevin every other week, just to mentor my my parenting, my marriage, my ministry. And so we are surrounded, and then you have Stuart. So I'm in the same region with Stuart Means, who is just an amazing man of God. And so I just feel poured into and, and feel a sense of deep gratitude by just all of these amazing heroes that surround me, that have just poured into me and have led me in just amazing ways. So there's more than one person who's discipling you in your life, sounds like. So right now, primarily, is Kevin Miller. Kevin, Melissa Miller, disciple Katrina, and I, we get with them every other week. Um, and we, we're we connected with them throughout the week as well. But definitely, I feel the freedom to go to my elders or mm -hmm. Stuart to get input from them as well. Right. But primarily, Kevin and Melissa. I mean, go, going back to your relationship with Katrina, what are the, what are the odds that you fall in love with a woman whose parents are also from Liberia. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When we met, because Liberia only has a population of like three or four million, um, it's a very tiny country, we were concerned and going, are we cousins? Are we distant cousins? <laughs> <laughs> and I still joke with her at this point, going, I think we're probably distant cousins, and she doesn't <laughs> like that. But, um, but, her parents and my parents kind of knew one another a little bit. And, and so it's a small community in Boston. And so 
Um, when I find that out, it was one of the reasons why we became really good friends very quickly mm. as well. Wow. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the process of training that you've received. Like, what was it like? What helped you? Who is working with you? It's, it's been, let's see, about 10 years since you became a Christian. And now you're an evangelist. Can you just walk through that? What, what have you been doing over the past 10 years that, that's helped you to become an evangelist? Yeah. So I remember my first Bible talk. I was leading this small Bible talk at a community college. And I was a three-month-old Christian. I probably shouldn't have been leading that Bible talk. There was a guy who was supposed to lead that Bible talk who kind of dropped out. And I was sort of the backup plan. I remember my first Bible talk opening to Philippians chapter one and preaching for 45 minutes. <laughs> and it wasn't, a, it was just me talking. Um, and, and you can't go any further downhill from there. Um, but I think what has helped me is, you know, men in my life who have believed in me, it started off with a guy who studied the Bible with me, my campus minister, Steve Schnell. He just, he, he was a, a friend to me. He believed in me and he gave high expectations to me. Even as a young Christian, um, I, I would see him share his faith and he would go, oh, you should do that. And I would go and do it and imitate him. And then in Boston, we, we talk a lot about expectation and, and relational capital and inspection. I think in your training dynamic, you need to have relational connection with the person you're training. But you also need to have expectations, and then you have to have inspection. And so those three elements were important in my training. Uh, with Jesse, after Steve left, Steve left to go to London uh, in 2015, and then Jesse was training me. And with Jesse, I was just blown away by his family life, um, just watching him lead his wife and be a great dad to his kids. Um, that was just a, a vision for me to go, oh, I want to imitate that. And then there's a New England School of Missions that we have. We have a mission school um, that helped me in my preaching, in um, in biblical knowledge, in leadership. Um, but what really helped me also when I was in college was we have an intern program here in Boston. And that intern program is just unique um, in my mind. It's helped to produce so many ministers like John Rachel Buckles, um, Steve Schnell, Jesse, um, um, even Mervy, uh, Katie Arsenal, Car Arsenal. So many ministers have been produced from this campus ministry intern program. And we get together every Sunday. And the first half is just sharing good news. And the first week of every semester, we do the same thing. We set evangelistic goals. And we go out and we share our faith like crazy that first week. And we come back the second week. And you, we share good news and we go, how did it go? Inspection. And we inspect and we talk about it. And it's not this pressure thing. It's not this weird thing. It is a celebration. And that, that meeting is led by Kevin Miller. And, and it's, it's been amazing to see over the last 10 years to see our lead evangelist kind of really dive into the campus ministry and lead that meeting. And that meeting is so encouraging. And you leave that meeting feeling like, oh, I can run through a brick wall for Jesus. And so that intern program has really helped me over the years. Um, but then also you're running with your peer group, you know, people like Mervy, um, 
people like Kai, Michael Adolphus here in Boston. I'm running with people who are also pushing me. And is this synergy? Is this is this vision we have for one another and this expectation we have for one another for ourselves? It's being on a team, we all try to do our best and work hard. And so so it's a it's a bunch of different things. Campus ministers, peer group elders, um, the intern program, the New England School Missions. Um, I, I always also feel safe when I preach. I know I'm going to get feedback and, and, and it's going to be all good. It's going to be, these are some things you did well. These are some things that you can improve on. And, um, and, and at the end of the semester, we, we, we sit down, we, we get feedback to one another and we talk about, oh, how did it go? What are some things that went well? What are some things that we could grow in? And so that feedback loop has been so helpful for, for, for me and for my growth. Um, so yeah. Expectation and inspection. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. You see that in the gospels, right? Where Jesus, he sent his disciples to go and make disciples and then they come back and he goes, how did it go? Right. I think sometimes as leaders, we can assume, um, an assumption is, is, is not good in my mind. Or sometimes we can be afraid to, inspect um even right now i'm working with these amazing interns who they're just incredible guys um daniel shama primarily and austin Theodore. and we probably talk i mean four or five times a day um they're going to bible studies and because i'm limited with two kids now but they're going to bible studies and i'm giving them instruction um, an expectation on how to lead that study. And then they're coming back, sending me a voice memo or we'll talk on the phone or I'm meeting them on campus. How did it go? What did you do? Um, so why did you say that? What did he say? I think all that is good. And even if we set evangelistic goals. So, okay. So the goal was, your goal was 250. So you got to 200. So what happened? How did it go? Why did you not meet your goal? Not in a, oh, you're in trouble, but let's talk about your schedule. Maybe you, we need to work some things around with your schedule so we can help you um, to meet your goal. Oh, you had lots of Bible studies? Oh, that's awesome. Then, then it's okay that you didn't meet your goal. Go and keep studying the Bible, people. And so that inspection piece, I, I find that to be missing um, in certain corners. I think... Um, it's good to give people vision and it's good to give people expectation, but if it's not inspected, I found that things don't grow if it's not inspected. And I think as leaders, it's on us to do inspection and not just assume, but, and not in a rebuke way, but in a loving, curious way and ask questions. Cause I think of all the ways I've had to grow and all the things I had to learn, there are a million things I've had to grow in. And those things that I've had to learn, because you don't know what you don't know as a young leader. And the things that I've had to learn and grow in were things that were exposed during the inspection piece. Have you been on the same campus for the past 10 years? Where where are you located now? So I'm in downtown Boston. So I was I, I did campus ministry when I was baptized. I was in the campus ministry. And then I was asked to help to lead our young professionals ministry. So I did that for about two and a half years. 
And then after that, for the past three years, I've been doing campus. Um, so I, I, I do campus ministry. I work with a team of seven other campus ministers. My wife, um, Katie and Kai Arsenault, uh, Van, um, Vanessa Wu, uh, we'll call her Van, Michael Adolphus, and Mervy Babalola, and and then and, and Mari Samura, uh, who is amazing. She also helps with our social media. So we have a team of eight campus ministers in downtown Boston, and we all have different schools that we work with. I work primarily with UMass Boston. Um, UMass Boston is our only state school in Boston. It's a school of uh, 13,000 students. Um, and so that's where I'm primarily based. Um, and we have a campus ministry in Boston of 120 students. That's where my wife was baptized, UMass Boston. And, yeah. And she, I've heard podcasts, what? I've heard Pam talk about UMass. And whenever I'm driving, I'm like, yes, Pam, UMass. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the most, it, it's, I mean, there's a lot of very famous colleges, of course, in Boston, Harvard, MIT, you think about those those schools. UMass Boston, I guess, is the you know the state school, not not yeah. quite as glorious, but I always think about my wife reaching out in her um, African American Studies class to Hervé Florent, and just I share that story. Just what a, what a huge impact that's made in the world, you know, just reaching out to one single person, and yeah. uh, you know it's it's incredible what can happen with just one one outreach. Yeah. No, that school, it, it means so much to me. This is a school I went to. This is a school Katrina and I went to. And and it's cool to be the campus minister there now. Initially, when Kevin proposed the idea of me going back to be the campus minister at UMass, I was like, no, send me anywhere but UMass. Because in college, <laughs> my heart was broken so many times by so many dudes we studied the Bible with. And we baptized a few people, but my heart was broken so many times. I was like, no, don't send me back there. But now, two, three years later, I'm just so grateful to be there. I love it. I love UMass Boston. Hey, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. I've, you know, obviously I've heard that you are a go-getter. I can just, I sense the confidence in your voice. What drives you? What gets you up in the morning? Yeah, a few things. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, Paul says something. I think it's very fascinating. He says this phrase, and I wish he elaborated on it a little bit. He said, all this is for your benefit. As grace reaches more and more people, it causes thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. He says that as grace reaches more and more people, as more and more people receive grace, what happens is that they start to give thanksgiving to God. They start to glorify God and worship God and give thanksgiving to God. And we live in this world where people are worshipers and they're worshiping a bunch of different things. They're worshiping Nike or athletics or academics or relationships or money. People are worshipers. And for me, I want to get people to worship God. And so I want them to get saved. I want them to study the Bible and get salvation. But that is not my primary goal, actually. That is secondary. Their salvation is secondary to me. My primary goal is I want them to worship God. Mm. That's what we're going to be doing in heaven. That's the whole problem. Even when you read Romans 1, the challenge is we stop worshiping God and we start worshiping the created things rather than worshiping the creator. 
And so once I can study the Bible for God and get him to stop worshiping pleasure or money or a girl to stop worshiping God, I go, that's a victory because oh. that's a guy who's going to be having worshiping God. And right. so for me, that's a huge thing from a theological perspective. For, and then on a practical perspective, I really do think that so many of the challenges in our world is because we have weak, unspiritual men. Mm. Um, I grew up in a household of boys. I have two boys. I think God's put me on earth to lead men. And I want to raise up a generation of spiritual selfless men mm. to marry all these amazing women we have in our movement. Um, I, and if they're going to the ministry, great. Um, if they don't go into the ministry, that's also, we don't need everyone to go into the ministry. We, we need people to come out of the campus ministry, be kingdom builders, lead family groups or lead community groups, service groups. We need more men to step up, to lead God's people. And so for me, that's one of the, the motivations. That's why I wake up in the morning is I want to invest in these amazing men um, that I'm studying the Bible with or these amazing guys I'm mentoring to, to step up, to, to work on their character. Cause if I can get a guy who can graduate our campus ministry and who have grown in his character, who is walking close with God, he falls in love with a girl and he marries her. He would be a blessing to his family. They'll, they'll, they'll hopefully have babies in the future. If that's God's plan for their life. And he'll be a blessing to his kids, to generations, you know. And so that's kind of how I think about it as well. I want to raise up amazing men of God. That Amen. is such a need. Oh, such a huge need. I just go, man, if there's one thing that could make a huge and massive difference, it's like bringing men back to life. They're just so, um, you know, lost in themselves, just at home playing video games, just kind of just basically not engaged, not, not leading. And yeah. it's, it's a yeah. very sad situation. Okay. Yeah. All these men out there in the world that are telling them how to be masculine. Um, and, and, and then the world is also telling them how to be masculine in, in different ways. Um, and, and when you look at Jesus, you see the, the best man, who is full of grace and truth, who wrap a towel around his waist to serve. And, and, and that's what leadership is. That's what being a man is, is being a servant. And so that that's the challenge we're in um, on, on the campuses of Boston is trying to raise up these amazing guys. And I, I, I do think men needs to feel love. They need to feel believed in. They need to feel respected. And then they need a cause to die for. Yeah. They need a cause to sacrifice. For. If you can give a guy, if you can love a guy and you can respect him, show him respect, show him that you believe in him, and you give him a cause to sacrifice for, well, watch out. I mean, that guy can make an impact. That's right. And that's what I'm trying to do. Those four things, I'm always trying to do that with all these guys I'm trying to disciple and, and help. I love that. That's fantastic. Okay. Matt shared in his introductory letter, fastest growing campus ministry in our movement within Boston. Their specific campus has grown the most of all the Boston campus ministries. Okay. We need to hear good news about campus ministry. Okay. So t tell me just 
tell me about the progress. I, I talked to Kevin came out, Kevin Miller came out and did a retreat for us probably the beginning, not maybe it was this year. I think it was more likely maybe a year and a half ago. And he shared at one point the campus ministry in Boston had shrunk down to like 60, 60 disciples. Now that's, you know, for a small church, you're like, whoa, I'd love to have 60. But for a, a church of 2,000 people, that's just, you know, scrawny, basically just kind of bare bones in a city of, of multi-millions. How's it gone since that time? How's your ministry done? Please share some good news about the progress that's been made. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's all glory to God. I, I do think post-COVID, God has been doing something on the campuses of Boston that is unique. Um, and, and people are open. Um, and so glory to God. And a lot of credit to Kevin because he he was able to persuade our regional leaders to really invest in downtown campus. Um, and our regional leaders, they didn't really need persuading. They were going, oh, we're all for it. And so it has been, I mean, a, a campus ministry of 65 students to have eight campus staff, uh, right? The math doesn't add up, right? The, the, the 65 students are not giving enough money to fund eight campus staff. And so all the other regions in Boston have really had to sacrifice to pour into the campus. And so I, I'm super grateful to our region leaders around Boston. You know, so two years ago when we started the campus ministry, we had about 65 students and now we've grown to 120. Wow. Um, we've doubled, which is just incredible. Um, we've seen over 85 baptisms just in downtown Boston. We've seen 150 baptisms around the Boston church in the campus ministry. Um, okay. So 150 in the larger church, 85 campus baptisms just in the downtown ministry. So, so we've seen 85 in downtown Boston campus. So 85 students have been baptized in downtown Boston campus, but in the suburbs, we have like Bridgewater state. We have UMass low. We have these other, campuses around the suburbs of Boston and all together combined with downtown, we've seen about 150 baptisms wow. around the Boston. And, and at UMass Boston, the school I go to and the school I, I'm leading right now with my wife, we've gone from eight disciples two years ago, including my wife and I. So it's six disciples, six students and my wife and I. So eight disciples in the fall of 2021 to now, Fall 2023, we have about 42 disciples. What? So, oh my gosh. How many? 42. 42 disciples. Um, which has been, it's been encouraging. I, I just been, God has just been moving. We have amazing leaders, um, just amazing leaders on campus who are hardworking and they want to see God do amazing things in their generation. I think in Boston, we've heard a lot of the amazing stories from the 80s and the 90s. And I think there's a generation of young people, um, people like Emma Miller and Manning and Hebron, Olivia Trozen. We have a group of young people, young interns here in Boston who are going, okay, we, we've heard all the amazing things that have happened in the past. We want to see God do it again. We want to see God do something even in a different way in a greater way, we want to see miracles and we want to experience that. We want to experience what our parents experienced back in the eighties and nineties. So that's been amazing. 
Wow. Okay. So my next question is how? Okay. Let's just, let's narrow it down to just your ministry and UMass Boston. What are you doing? How, how do you, you know, you've got 13,000 students. That's not that many. I mean, you know, campus, there's campuses with 40, 50,000. I mean, that's, I mean, it's plenty to save. There's lots of centers there to reach, but it's not the largest campus. You've got eight disciples, including yourself. That's so they're not all students. Was this planned to be like, Hey, in two years, we're going to be at 40 or is this, you know, how did it happen? And what were you doing? Let, let, you know, cause we've got people listening and I'm super interested. Like how did you revive that ministry? What did you do? What was your plan? What were you thinking? And, and how did you see that kind of five times multiplication in two years? Yeah. yeah so before we started off in, in the summer of 2021 during COVID when schools were shut down, I went to UMass with my wife and we we prayed around the campus that God would open UMass in a special way. So we had lots and lots of prayer time just around the campus, just my wife and I with our stroller, um, with our little son Julius at the time, just praying to God. And, and so it's been a God thing. And then we came up with a vision and going, okay, we want to get to 100 disciples here at UMass. We want to get from eight to 100. And, and how is that going to happen? It's going to be done only by prayer and fasting, and God's going to move. And so we did a lot of that. But then we also worked hard. You know, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Um, and something we did is we we went on a retreat. We do this every semester now. The week before the semester starts, I take all the disciples at UMass. We go on a retreat. Now it's kind of we find it hard to find a place to host us because we're so many. But back then, it was only eight of us. And so we went on a retreat, and we had fun. And at the end of the retreat, I asked everyone going, okay, the first week of school is next week, kickoff week. How many people do we think collectively as a group we can share with? And that first time, everyone was like, oh, let's share with 600 people. So we went for that, 600 people in, in our group chat. You're seeing, you know, oh, I just share with 20 people. I just share with 30 people. And we're doing it together. And, and we're counting it down. Oh, you just share with 20 people. So we went from 600 to 580. We have 580 <laughs> to go. And it's momentum that's being built, you know. And it's not us doing it isol- in isolation. We're bringing other people with us. And we're, we're doing it two by two. And we're sharing. And we're sharing good news. In, in that first week, we exceeded that goal. I think we shared with 750 people that first week. And it was amazing to see all these people come to Bible talk. And from that first semester, we baptized a young man by the name of Michael Adolphus, um, who is now on staff in Boston. So we baptized just one person that first semester. And then in the spring semester, we we did the same thing. We went on a retreat, kick of week. Kick of week is really huge. Okay, you know, sometimes wait, I talk one, one second here. So the first semester, you started with eight. You had one baptism that first semester. Yes. Okay, yes. so you're like, you're dreaming of 100, you only get one baptism. Okay, what are you thinking at that point? You're like, hey, I, I got to think, think about a new career or something like that. Okay, how do you keep the fire going after less than exciting beginning? Oh, I knew that coming back and reviving, because the campus ministry haven't really been doing anything for a year and a half during COVID. I knew that, you know, climbing this mountain, the first few phases, the first few semesters were going to be challenging. And so I 
I was, I was, I, I was fine with it. I was resolved in my heart that you know, next semester we'll go back again, we'll go for it again, and see what happens. And so, and I was at another school, so I was leading two schools back then. At the other school, at Wentworth, I, we were seeing a lot of fruit there. And so God was moving at that other school. We had five baptisms that semester. Wow. And so UMass only had one. But then the one guy we had was this just amazing leader who was just, you know, ready to go right away. <laughs> so, uh, I was fired up about that. And then the spring semester came. We did the same thing. And I talked to some campus ministers, and I think sometimes for campus ministers, first week, they're kind of focused on relationships, or we got to build family, or the first week, we set up a table. And all that is good. You know, re building relationships is all good, and setting up a table, we do that sometimes. But in my mind, right, you have the rest of the semester to build relationships. And that first week, when you have all these freshmen, when you have all these different people on campus who are searching for clubs, you need to get out there and set the example for the disciples. You need to go out there and have an inspiring example. But then you need to call others to do it with you. So it's not just you. And so that's why I said we set this goal. And so we did the same thing in the spring. And we had two baptisms in the spring. Um, and that was great. And in the fall, we have five. Um, the fall of 2022, we have five at UMass. And, but then we also have a bunch of freshmen who came in. And then in the spring of 2023, this past spring, we saw 10 baptisms at UMass Boston. Wow. And then, you know, we've also had lots of freshmen who have come in and who are just amazing workers. And they, are, they, they see the culture we have now. They go, oh, this is what we do. We set goals as a group and we go for it together. And there's there's a certain momentum that gets built when you set a goal together as a group and you build it and you work hard for it. I remember in the spring of 2023, we were at our retreat um, before the semester starts. And we were at this retreat and we're talking about, okay, so what's the goal for our kickup week? Because kickup week for us at UMass is huge. We go for it. right? And so a brother, his name is Alex Clark. He goes, this brother goes, we should share our faith with 2,000 people, all 20 of us. At that point, we're probably around 20 or 25. We should share our faith with 2,000 people collectively. And this other brother, Josh Bradley, who I love, he goes, that's weak sauce, Alex. I love you, but that's weak sauce. We should share our faith with 2,023 people. We're in 2023. We should go for 2,000. I was like, I love that. Let's go for that. So we went for that, and we we exceeded the goal. We, we share our faith with 2,000 400 people so we, we just they just work really hard they mm. pray hard they work hard and then they study the bible with people they get into bible study sometimes you know people tell me oh I, we don't want to set up a bible study right away we want to build relationships with people and then set up a bible study no i go no set up the bible studies you know when people come to bible talks set up studies you don't want to wait till november 13th to figure out if this person is seeking or not and and, and so we wanted to go out for our first harvest have those people get baptized and people who don't want to seek after God, they can walk away and then, and we'll still be friends with them and they can come to our events and then we'll go out and we set another goal and we'll go out for a second harvest. And if we do it well, we want to come out for even a third harvest late November to get a third harvest mm. in mid December. And so that's kind of how we work it. We, we share our faith, we set up studies and we're not afraid to shake the dust off our feet. 
Um, we're looking for worthy souls. We're looking for people who are seeking after God. Um, what I did in the past when I was in college is I would study the Bible with all these people who really, I, I care more about their salvation than they did. Um, and I was kind of pulling them to God versus them wanting to seek it out. So we're finding, we're trying to find seekers. That's what we're trying to find. And, and if someone's seeking after God, we move the studies and we we be their friends and we invite them to church and and we 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 show them the scriptures and sometimes people get baptized in 15 days 21 days you know i think the longest baptism it took in the bible is three days and, and so if someone is seeking after god and they want to get baptized we we talk a lot about lordship we put a huge emphasis on lordship that jesus has to be lord over your emotions jesus has to be lord over the way you view the bible um i mean we put everything out there you know we, we are a church that believes that the bible is the word of god and and the culture doesn't say you know boston is such a liberal city and so we we talk about modesty we talk about homosexuality we talk about we we don't try to hide anything from people we we tell people this is what we believe do you believe this do you believe what the bible says about these things and if someone's ready we baptize them. And so that's been how we've run it. I think for us, kickoff week is huge. And then we see who's out of that people, out of that arena of people, we see who's seeking, who's not. And then we'll go out for a second harvest, a third harvest. And we pray and we work hard and we have a blast doing it. Okay, so what happened there, it looks like, so you baptize one the first semester, baptize two the second semester, five, and then 10, basically doubling every semester. That's pretty exciting. So just gradual, incremental uh, multiplication. How do you raise standards? You know, how do you take a ministry where there's low standards? You know, some yeah. people, you know, like some people think Wednesday is optional. Oh, you know, I've I've got something, got a club activity going on. Let's let's say, imagine you walk into a campus ministry, another one, and you know, people are kind of all over the place. It's like herding cats. How do you pull people together, raising, raising standards, raising those expectations you talked about earlier? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I believe that that starts before the person gets baptized. Um, I think certain times we set the bar really low and, and people get baptized and, and maybe they're missing stuff. Maybe they're missing church or they still don't get church commitment or they still don't get, oh, no, I need to read my Bible and walk with God. And then we baptize them. And then it's kind of unfair to them because they, they get baptized and they go, wait, I didn't know you expected me to come to church every Sunday. I didn't know you expected me to come to midweek. And so we really set the bar high and we set up the bar for discipleship the way the Bible says it. So that when people get baptized, they go, oh, I already been doing this for two weeks. I already been doing this for a month or two months. And so that starts up before um, the person gets baptized. But then after the person gets baptized, I think we've got to be patient with people. God, God is super patient, you know, with us and we, we're all on a journey. And, and some of us are further than others in our spiritual walk. And so I think you got to run with, with the, the willing, you know, even Jesus, right? Jesus had the 12. Um, he didn't pick 50 people or 100 people. He picked the 12. And then even within the 12, 
he picked the three. And even within the three, he had the one. And you have to choose as a leader, right? Because we only have 24 hours in the day. We're all limited. And you have to choose. Uh, who are my runners? Who are the people who are going to run with me? I'm going to run with those people. I'm going to cast a vision for them, invest in them in a unique way. But then these other people, if, if they're struggling, I got to be their friend. I got to ask questions. I got to be curious. Maybe they have a sickness in their family. Maybe um, they have another expectation of what church should be. And I need to get with them and in a loving way, um, show them the scriptures. So it's not my voice. They're obeying. They're obeying the scriptures. Josephus, I've got a few more questions about the campus ministry. First of all, for those who are leading campus and who are married, like yourself with two kids, how do you do it? I, I give my props to anyone who's married, who has two kids in this season. I mean, it is a tough challenge. And so I, if you're a campus minister with a kid or two or three kids, I give you a lot of props. But for us, Katrina and I, we're still trying to work it and trying to figure what works for us because we just transitioned from one to two, which it, it is a transition. Um, and so this is our first semester with two kids. And so we're, we're trying to figure what works. For us right now, what we've been doing is Tuesdays is Katrina's day to be on campus. Um, as a day when she can go on campus, she can have Bible study with the girls and she can get D times on campus, and I stay home with the two boys, and I use that time. I can write my sermons. I could just get time with them, take them to the park, um, and then the rest of the week I'm on campus, um, and she's doing ministry from home. That's the advice we've received, and so far that's been working. But we also know that there are certain seasons within the semester that I'm going to go, and that's okay. I'm going to be out there a little bit more. And, and and she's fine with that. And we've talked about that. Like the first week of school, like I've said before, kickoff week, um, or even the middle of the semester when we're going for a second push or the back end of the semester when it's harvest season, um, she knows, okay, Joseph is going to be gone. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to, you know, that week I'm going to be out of the house a little bit more. And then, the next week, we're going to go on a nice date and, and make sure that's good. Every Monday night, we have a family Devo that's in our schedule. We make sure that happens. Just making sure that um, my two sons are connected with us and making sure that they're growing in the Lord. Um, sometimes when she's having a D time, I'm taking the guys, my two guys, my two boys, um, Elliot and Julius. I'm taking them to the park mm -hmm. so that they can spend time with me and they can just connect with me. And we have lots of help, honestly. We Both sets of grandparents live within 20 minutes of us, so we have help in that department with babysitting and all of that. And for our campus ministry, our two kids are kind of like a therapy dog for them. They love our kids. <laughs> they love taking care of them. And so we get a lot of help from them. But I know that I want to be involved in the kids, especially at night when they're going to sleep. I want to make sure I'm back that we're having dinner together. I'm making sure I'm back that I can read a book or two to Julius before he goes to sleep. So nights are really for me and the kids. Um, and then during the day I'm on campus and then on Tuesdays, I know I'm not scheduling anything. She's on campus on Tuesday. So that's kind of how we're working it. And we know that in this season, she's a little bit limited with two kids and, and she has this 
two month old baby that is that needs her in a unique way. And so we understand that. And so we're, we're working it and we're letting our students lead and, and lean in and, and they know, Oh, the bar tours are limited. And so they're stepping up. Our, our dream is to have 10 Bible talks at UMass. We've gone from one Bible talk to five Bible talks. So now we have five. And so our five Bible talk leaders, they're leading their own Bible talk and, and, and I'm inspecting it. I'm giving expectation. I'm inspecting it. We're talking on the phone. I, constantly and so that's kind of how we're working it okay so let's talk a little bit about that i mean kevin has done a great job in marshalling resources and directing them to the campus ministry getting people to work as interns and things like that but let's imagine someone's listening they're in a smaller church it's just them or you know maybe a part-time intern or something like that how do you how do you build a student-led campus ministry? How do you get the students to take responsibility for the ministry and to really get excited about it and drive it? Yeah, then, no, that's a great question. Um, I, I really believe in casting vision for people. That's what was done for me. Um, Steve, there's one time I was struggling my faith and I just helped to baptize this guy and Steve looked at me at this retreat, right after I baptized this guy, Steve Schnell, my campus minister, he, he looked at me in my eyes and he said to me, there's nothing that God can't do through you. Wow. And that statement, it just set me on fire. I just remember thinking, wow, there's nothing that God can't do through me. And, and Steve believes in me. I think, you know, our people, our words carry weight. And, and and casting a vision for them. I, I think of Jesus. He looked at Nathaniel. He goes, and Nathaniel was being critical. You know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, and Jesus is like, oh, here's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. <laughs> and he looked at Peter. He called Peter a rock when Peter wasn't all the way a rock all the time. And, um, and, and Jesus believed in people. He cast vision for people. Um, even Ananias, he came to Saul, this terrorist, was terrorizing the churches i saw i was about to get baptized and then was like you're you've got god chosen you to make his no his will known throughout the world and you're gonna be a prophet like he builds him up and so i really cast a, a vision for the guys i'm leading that you know if they're not in leadership I, and i want them to go into leadership and I, and I desire for them to to lead in a certain capacity i go I tell them about that and I tell them what I see. I see this is what I see in you. I see you being a connector. I see your relationship with God. And I express that over and over in a great way. And I try to have them understand Josephus believes in me. Josephus believes that God can do great things in me. And I also give them opportunities to lead. You know, so like yesterday, we just had a guy, his name is Jordan. He's uh, one of our young Christians and he just led his first Bible talk. And one of our interns told him to lead this Bible talk and they're working together and he led this great Bible talk. And then our intern, Austin Fedor, inspected it and go, oh, this is what you did well. This is what you could grow in going forward. And so all that, I think giving people opportunities to lead you and, and they're going to mess up. You know, the other day, our brother called me. He goes, my friend wants to study the Bible. I go, how about you study the Bible with your friend? You give them something to eat. Because I, I just have my hands full. I have lots of Bible studies going on, and I have two kids. And so I sent him the scriptures for the Seeking God study. He and I talked over the phone. And then after the study, I go, how did it go? 
And so giving people opportunities to lead in small ways, even if they're not leading the Bible talk, let them do a Bible talk here and there. Um, even in a D group setting, in a small D group setting, let them lead a five minute thought in the beginning of D group. Giving people opportunities to lead, it helps to build their confidence. They'll go, oh, it's kind of like David. If I can do that, you know, the lion, the bear, if the lion, the bear can be taken care of by God, then Goliath will be knocked down. And so giving people opportunities with the lion and the bear and casting a great vision mm -hmm. for them and believing in them. Wow. I think I've seen that help people go, oh, I can, I can lead. I can be used by God. Mm. Yeah. So believing in people, encouraging them with encouraging words, and then giving them opportunities to lead in small situations, whether a personal Bible study or a small group discussion, just giving people a chance. Yeah. Just giving people a chance because the won't know they can do it unless they do it, right? And um, and we want to give people opportunities to experience victory. We, we in Boston, what we talk about a lot is victorious evangelism. We when people experience victory, their faith increase, and um, and they go, "Oh, God can move," right? And it's not just someone telling them that God can move; they've experienced it. Mm -hmm. You know, you get a young guy up there leading a Bible talk. He leads a Bible talk. And he sees the responses and he sees Bible study sets up and he goes, oh, wow. Like, so this works, you know, God, God can move. And so I want people not only to believe that God can move. I want people to experience that God can move. It seems like you've got a lot of faith. What, what do you say to people that say things are different on campus? People are different. Students are different. Kids aren't the same as they were in the eighties and nineties. Times have changed. You know, think people aren't as open as they were, you know, all sorts of things that kind of talk like that. How do you address yeah. it? What do you what do you say? Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Oh, I mean, I was born in 1993 and so I wasn't around the 80s, but I, I imagine I was a history major. And so I studied lots of history. I imagine that this generation is so different from the previous generation. Um, but I also believe that. People are very religious <laughs> and people are worshipers. Like I said earlier, it's just that they're not worshiping God. They're worshiping other things. And, and so we want to capture this generation to worship God. And, and that takes lots. You, you need to have faith as a minister, as a campus minister. And you need to have an inspiring example. You need to, when you read the book of Acts, the first six chapters are, is the apostles. They're the ones setting the example. You read the gospels, the, the first, most of the gospels is actually just Jesus doing the work and the apostles are watching him. And so as a leader, you want to, you, you can't sit on your hands, right? You Or you can't just be in your office writing sermons or <laughs> you gotta be, right? And I feel that even right now. I think I have about seven sermons or eight sermons to write for the month of October. And so I kind of feel that. You have me out of my office, right? You got to get on campus, set an inspiring example, and then you, you got to set a vision. You got to cast a vision, not only of, oh, we want to make disciples, but why do we need to make disciples here? Why now? Why at the school? Um, and the guys at UMass, they know, oh, Josephus has this vision to get to 100. We talk about it. I don't hide it. Josephus has a vi this vision to baptize guys, train them so that they can be great husbands in the future. Mm. <laughs> and I talk about that all the time. I share that. <laughs> and you got to you gotta 
not only cast a vision, but you got to continue to repeat the vision because wow. people forget and people, and people get distracted. And, and, and then you need to work for it and pray for it. And you need to work hard for it. I think hard work, you know, especially for young people, it's not always uh, before. I think that your generation, Rob, I think our parents' generation, hard work was was a badge of honor. And you guys were hard workers. And God God works through our hard work. Jesus always said, he says the, the, the workers are few and we need to work hard. And so if you're having an inspiring vision, you have a great example yourself and and you're working hard and praying hard for it. I, I really do believe that God can move on any campus. I've seen it just in my own life. Absolutely. So. What would you say to a campus minister who's just feeling kind of beat up, had a cup, you know, a few tough semesters, just feeling, you know, just kind of like having second thoughts, like, man, am I really cut out for this? And just, just going through it, feeling really tested and just, yeah. Just feeling down. How how would you help that person to just regain their confidence? Yeah, no, that's 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 a great question. I I think some of our campus ministers are not getting the training that they need to get. Um, I've been so blessed in Boston. I, I think Kevin Miller is one of the greatest trainers of our generation. I mean, he's just I mean, he's just a master trainer, and I think if you don't get training and you haven't experienced victory, it is hard. And so I feel for our campus ministers. And so I think you need to find a trainer. You need to find someone who can train you. Um, and then you, you need to get inspired yourself. Um, you need to be inspired to be inspiring. Um, and so you need to, you need to move and, and get yourself moved by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God. You need to get in the Word, not just to get informed, but to be inspired. Um, you read scriptures. You go back to the scriptures that inspire you. Why did you even go into the ministry? Go back to your why. Well, you know, why did you even decide to share your faith when you weren't in the ministry? You have to go back to those scriptures. You have to go back to those reasons. And then you have to understand that there are certain seasons that are, are difficult, um, but just because you're going through a difficult season doesn't mean um, God doesn't have a plan for you in ministry. Maybe that's not your path long term. And maybe that's true. But just because you're going through a hard season. I mean, I think of Elijah. He went through a hard season. and He was still God's man. Jeremiah went through a hard life, <laughs> not even a hard season, but he was still God's man. And so I think perseverance is key. Um, keep preaching God's word. And God's word will bear fruit. His word does not return void. Yeah. Um, I totally believe that. But you need to find, I was thinking a campus ministry, even a campus ministry of 7, 10, 15, 20 people. You, you need to find your one guy. You need to find your God or your one girl if you're a campus minister woman. You need to find someone who can run with you. Um, and, and, and you need to run with that person and, and train that person up. Um, and, and have them watch you do things and have them watch you in your studies, have them watch you in your details, have them watch you prepare a sermon. And, and it will just help you to know, oh, wait, I'm making progress because I'm helping this other disciple make progress. Because mm. in the ministry, it can be hard to kind of figure out what is progress and what is not progress. And progress is people. And we're in a people's business. And so not only evangelistically, but we want to raise up 
the next generation of leaders. And so you, you always got to run with people. That's awesome. You, you, you got an inspiring story and it just, it's comes across like, that's awesome. You are a, what we used to call a cranker. You're just going for it. Can you share about a time when you, you felt really, you were really tested, you went through a tough time and then what, what helped you to, to, to rebound? What helped you to, to get through it? Yeah. I mean, COVID was tough, but the COVID was tough for everyone. I think for me, it was probably in college. Um, I had all this ambition to change the world, to make an impact, but I had lots and lots of character weaknesses and insecurities. And, and I wanted my campus ministers to see me a certain way. And so I would fall into sin, but then get open halfway and maybe not get open at all. And then I, I reach um, in 2014, all this sin came out. I, I, I was just so convicted. John Lusk was preaching. I was just like, God oh, dang. I was a one-year-old Christian <laughs> and I was in leadership. And But I, I, I wanted to do great things for God, but my character, I didn't match up to my calling yet. And, and, and my character was still, you know, needed to grow. And so I just remember pulling my friend aside and just going, I just like threw up on him, spiritually speaking, just like, here's all my junk. I just need to get open. And he was so loving um, and so just loving and respectful. And, and he's, but he was like, let's talk to our campus minister. And we talked to our campus minister, Steve Schnell. And, and Steve was able to help me through that. And he took me out of leadership, rightly so. And I was like, man, I, I need to bounce back. But I need to bounce back with character. I need to, I need to grow and I need to, to not get my validation from people. I need right. to get my validation from God, mm. uh, which is which is a hard thing because we're in a public business and right. it's easy to get weird and to get your validation from people yeah. and not get your validation from God. And so that was probably a tough time. And, and at that time, even inside the church, right, you got to be mindful of who you're hanging out with. I was hanging out with some people who were not all the way good for me. And, and, and then I had to... And, and, and Steve pulled me in his Bible talk, and he knew I was struggling, and he pulled me in his Bible talk, and but he still believed in me, um, and he still encouraged me, although I wasn't in leadership. And then I saw this guy get baptized. This guy reached out to his name is Josh Maldonado. And watching Josh become a Christian, and in those studies, I mean, you do a repentance study with a guy, you go, oh, man. As Steve was doing the repentance study <laughs> with Josh, it was helping me. I was going, I need to repent. <laughs> and, and it was almost like a like a character study for me. It was helpful because I forgotten a few things. And, and seeing Josh get baptized, Josh got baptized that spring of 2015. And that's when Steve looked at me. He goes, there's nothing that God can do through you. Wow. And at that point, I, I was still struggling a little bit. And, and he helped me. Yeah. And... And I came back into leadership and, um, and, but I think just getting open about that sin and getting open about <laughs> my insecurities were some of the struggles of, of my early faith journey. Yeah. I, it's funny. I, I went through a period early as a Christian, just struggled big time for about six month period, thought about leaving the church. I mean, it just really was not doing good spiritually at all. I was actually getting paid part-time as an intern, but I was just, 
who, you know, the people discipling me had a long-term vision. They luckily they had like a long-term view of things and they kept me in there. And I just kind of limped along, finally repented kind of like, you know, kind of born again and again, like had kind of a reconnection with the grace of God and just a new conviction about my sin and my pride. It really yeah. helped. I mean, it, and it, it's funny how common that is, especially for people that later on end up doing something um, in leadership. It's just like God, yeah. he, 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 he gets, he develops a personal program for you, <laughs> you know, to yeah. just kind of purify stuff. Yeah. He prunes you and he prunes your character and your motives. And, and, and it's good. In the moment, it doesn't feel good. Josephus, can you share some stories that have been inspiring to you? You've, you've seen a lot of baptisms recently. It's exciting what's happening. What, what's inspired you? Yeah, a few things. I think sometimes we can kind of think, oh, should we focus on cold contact evangelism or warm contact evangelism? And I think when you read the New Testament, it's both. Um, and in Boston, there's this girl, her name is Ananda. She goes to Northeastern. And she was met by one of our interns, Hebron. And Hebron met Ananda, and Ananda studied the Bible, and she became a Christian at Northeastern. And right after she got baptized, her perspective was, I'm going to go out and share my faith with the whole group, and I'm going to do that. But I also have all these friends of mine who we went to middle school, high school with in Worcester, in the suburbs of Massachusetts. And now we're together at Northeastern. And so I want to invite these girls out to come to church. So she invited her friend, Stacy. Stacy studied the Bible, and Stacy became a Christian. And then Stacy invited one of their other friends, Vanessa. Vanessa studied the Bible. Vanessa got baptized. And then Ananda invited her other friend out, um, Emma Yuboa, and Emma studied the Bible, and Emma became a Christian. And then Emma invited a Kosua, this other friend, <laughs> and the Bible and became a Christian. So, like all these girls who grew up in Worcester, in Western Massachusetts, came to Northeastern. One of them got baptized, and through one of them, Ananda's faith, all these girls have become disciples. They live together. They have a sister's household, and it's this amazing testament of the power of God's word. And so that that was inspiring. To, to watch that over the last year and a half. Anything else? There's a basketball player who was studying the Bible with, who is a student athlete. And being a student athlete, as you're studying the Bible with those guys, you kind of go, is this guy for it? Is he, is he real? Is he going to make Jesus Lord over basketball? Right. And it was really awesome just to watch his faith grow and to watch him make the decision to get baptized. And this is guy who got baptized, who as we're studying the Bible with him, he came to tell us, you know, my parents are are in a homosexual lifestyle and they're living that way. And going to the Bible study is one of those times where you kind of go, man, like, is this guy going to agree with what the Bible says? Because this is hard. His parents are, are living this lifestyle. And, and we live in Boston. Boston is such a liberal city. And, and, and so I was so insecure and going, where is this study going to go? Mm-hmm. As we shared scriptures with him he was going well my parents believe what they believe but i'm gonna believe what i believe and that's the bible wow and that was one of those times i just left i walked out of that study just going that, that was god that, that was the holy spirit moving that and and so that was inspiring and then one time one of our interns austin theodore was studying the bible with a friend as he's in this Bible study, this other guy just kind of kept watching and looking over his shoulders <laughs> and going, 
oh, what is going on there? So this guy invited himself out and going, what are you guys doing? You guys are studying the Bible? I want to join. And this guy came to Bible Talk that same day. As he's coming to Bible Talk, I'm in the lobby. He sees me. This guy named Hans. He sees me and he goes, are you coming to Bible Talk too? I go, yeah, I am coming to Bible Talk. And he invited himself to Bible Talk. He studied the Bible and got baptized. And he got baptized because he saw couple of young guys sitting in the Bible in the dining hall. Mm-hmm. And so those stories and seeing just God move and seeing God's hand move in that area of discipleship and sending the Bible with people, it's been just so inspiring to go, there's a God who shares our dream. There's a God who is alive wow. in this generation. Wow. Josephus, you, you're you a super charismatic person. I mean, you, you just have a, an energy, like a, a magnetism. How... How can a person who doesn't have that naturally develop it? I mean, just kind of a, a capacity to inspire, a capacity to uh, draw people toward him and and really move people, inspire people, and people want to follow. How, how would a person who's maybe not naturally gifted that way develop that skill? Yeah. Yeah, I think leadership is so important in, in so many ways. And so I think... One advice I always think about is when I walk into a room, I want to think about them, not think about me. And, and and we all have different personalities, but if I walk into a room thinking about the people, I, I think about them and I think about how can I build them up? How can I lift them up? How can I encourage them? You know, everyone needs encouragement. And, and as your leader, your, your words matter, your words carry weight. And so thinking about people, it helps me to get my eyes off myself. It helps me to go, okay, like I need to help them and build them up. And if, if they're getting encouraged by me, if they're getting built up by me, if I'm, if my focus is on me, then I'm just leading me. I'm not multiplying myself. But if my focus is on the people, then I can see multiplication. I also, I love watching um, like leadership movies. I love the the, the TV show Band of Brothers. Um, is about these World War II veterans, these World War II guys who went into the war to free a continent. I mean, they're just heroes. And one of their leaders is Captain Winters. He's just this amazing leader that everyone in his company, they just look up to him and because he cares about the people. And they, they know he cares about them. And he 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 carries himself last. He eats last. He do everything. He does everything last so that the people can feel encouraged and so that his his people can feel loved. I would think like if I wasn't in my position as a minister, would the people I'm leading follow me? Mm-hmm. Right? Would they follow me if we're in the army or if we're if I was in a company? I want them to follow me regardless of my role and my position, because position come and goes, um, more authority um, is, is that, that, that carries longevity. And so I want to make sure that the people I'm leading feel cared for by me. Wow. And that, that takes selflessness. You got to be selfless and you got to take your eye off yourself and of your insecurities and all of your own problems and think about the people you're leading. What are their worries? How, how is family life for them? How is how is their relationship with God? How is their relationship with their girl or their 
that guy they're kind of trying to date or their parents or the sickness in their family um, or their grades. You got to think about the people. And so that's, that's the advice I would give. What advice would you give to a person who wants to make this life count? Yeah. In my mind, there are three things. Um, first thing I think about is humility because you don't know what you don't know. And in this life, there are a million different things you, you need to learn. And, but if you don't have humility, you won't learn it. Um, God poses the proud. That's um, a theme all through our scripture. And so having humility helps you to learn. And then the second thing is sacrifice. Uh, John 12, 24 is one of my first scriptures in the Bible. Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it multiplies. Before you can multiply, you have to die. And that takes sacrifice. Jesus did it, and we need to imitate that. If you, if your life is going to count, um, I think you need to sacrifice. If you're going to have a great family, you need to sacrifice. If you're going to have a great marriage, if you're going to be a good CEO, whatever it is um, in your life, you need to sacrifice. And then the final thing is obeying the scriptures over obeying your senses. Um, I think put in the scripture first. Um, the scripture is, the Bible is a GPS. I really have come to believe that every word is inspired and every word in the Bible is placed there for a reason to guide us. And if you just obey the Bible over your senses, over what you feel, um, God can do great things with your life. The, the Bible is this ancient treasure that has come down to us through the centuries. It's been tested. It's been proven true. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, God says, Stand at the ancient paths and look, ask for where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. And if you if you walk in that ancient path, that good way of life, it, it, you will find rest for your soul. You will make an impact if you obey the scriptures over what you feel or over what you think is right. That's awesome. So humility sacrifice obeying the scriptures. Wow. That's awesome. Josephus, where do you see yourself in 10 years? My vision is I want, first of all, I want my two boys um, to fall in love with the Bible. And so for the next 10 years here, one of them is three and a half. The other is two months old. The next 10 years is very critical for them. And so I want, I, I know I'm not in charge of them becoming a Christian, um, but I want to give them the best shot to fall in love with God's word. Um, and so, I, you know, that that's where I want to kind of invest a lot of my mind and a lot of my time, my energy. But then I also want to raise up the next generation of campus ministers to send them out um, in Boston or out of Boston or abroad, to send them out to go on the campuses of um, the United States and around the world. Because in Boston, every nation since it's best and brightest to Boston. You know, MLK came to Boston, Obama was here, Zuckerberg. Um, so many people in the nations send their, their best and brightest to Boston. And we do have this fountain of youth, this fountain of smart, amazing, talented people in Boston. And we want to capture them, baptize them, train them up so that they could go and be campus ministers. Uh, I think there's such a need. I go on disciples today and it breaks my heart to see so many churches looking for campus ministers. And so I, I want to raise up, just just pump out campus ministers from Boston to go and be on the campuses. Um, and, and and then kind of what I said earlier, I want to raise up men who maybe don't go into the ministry, but who 
leave campus ministry ready to sacrifice and build great families and, and make an impact and be builders in God's kingdom. Um, I do, we do have desire to, to lead a church one day, but in this season, um, we, we love doing campus ministry. We love to do what we're doing right now. So we, we see ourselves in Boston year, if God's willing. Um, and we, we love the training we're getting and we love the support we have here in Boston. So we, we want to be here long-term, but in the future, we do desire to lead a church one day. That's awesome. If someone wanted to get advice or call you, contact you, would it be okay if they, uh, reached out to you? Yes. Yes. So email you. Um, I reach out right away. Um, because this month is a little bit crazy. We have our retreat coming up. Um, but I will always call back or, or text back. Okay, great. I'll put the contact information in the show notes. I, you know, I, I really love Kevin Miller and he, he's just an inspiring man and I love what he's doing. And it's great to hear good news coming from Boston. It's really inspiring to me to see bright spots like what's happening in Boston, especially among the youth. I've got a great friend there. Cedric Vicera, he's a, he's a young single and he's, he yes, was, we he was, love Cedric. He, he was, he was, he was, he was on my K- neighbor. He used to live like <laughs> uh two minute walk away from me. I love that guy. He's awesome. You know, and I just love to hear the good news and Mar- Mari Saramura, she uh, was back in Japan when we were there, you know, back in the nineties, she was just a little kid. But it's great to hear all the good news that's coming out of Boston. Kevin's going to be coming and headlining the Climb Small Church Leadership Conference, which is awesome. So I I hope, Josephus, that you can make it for the Climb Conference as well, and you can share with people uh, down there what what all the good news that's happening in Boston. If there's I'm going a- to tell him that you want me there. And he's going to say yes, because he can't say no to you. So he's going to say yes, and I'm oh, going to be there. That That's awesome, Josephus. It would be so awesome to have you there. It's going to be a great, great time. That's what I love about the Climb Conference is I want to gather people that just share the same passion, that want to advance God's kingdom. They want to they want to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. And that's that's how I kind of envision the, 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 the conference is it's an opportunity to make a huge, huge difference. So anyway, I'll see you in Dallas. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it. Secondly, read and review one of my books, How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. If you are looking for them, all you have to do is go to Amazon.com, type in Rob Skinner. My name will come up. You'll see the books there for sale real easy, no matter what country you're listening to, listening from. You can get get them downloaded on Kindle, read them electronically. Super easy to get them. Finally, support the Rob Skinner podcast with a gift. The link is in the show notes. I'd really appreciate your support because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.